0: Are you one of our regular students for uh, self-improvement Wednesday? Normally with Richard Glover, today with me, Dom Knight. Each week you get to learn something new from an expert, and it's a big one this week. How is the environment adapting to climate change? We know that uh, we've seen all kinds of dramatic impacts over the years. The, The weather we've had to deal with in recent years has been extreme, to say the least, But what is the uh, ecosystem doing in response to these wildly changing variables? Your teacher this week, Professor Richard Kingsford, Director of the Centre for Ecosystem Science at UNSW. Richard, welcome to self Improvement Wednesday. Good afternoon, Dom. This is going to be a a complex one, given how complicated (laughs) the environment (laughs) as a topic is. Where shall we begin?
1: Look, I, I think we know that we hear about temperature rises and sea level rises, but actually that whole environment is changing and occasionally, you know, you hear about a turtle or a tiger shark coming south, or seabirds moving south, or flat things flowering at, at, at different times. But you know, it's much bigger than that. The whole environment is changing, and the, the key thing to that understanding this is this notion of an ecological niche. It's like a sort of
0: cornerstone of environmental science. Okay, well, let's uh, let's explore what that is. Um, are we in an ecological niche here in sydney uh, well we're pretty good still?
1: at we're pretty good at buffering ourselves about niches, but you know we 're not talking niche market market uh, or things like that we 're talking about how each species basically interacts with its biological and non biological
0: factors okay, so, so if you imagine kind of where it fits into the world in a sense
1: yeah, so hmm. what does it eat, who eats it? all of those things are important, and things like temperature and moisture are the sort of non um, biological things, but you've also got some animals that can actually change their environment. The ecological engineers, a, th- a thing like a bilby, digs the place out, up and then changes the soil. So there's, that's basically the whole niche.
0: Okay, so you've got a, an enormously complex interaction of every species um, interacting with each other, essentially, in an ecosystem.
1: That's right, and all of the, the, the other factors. And it's, if you like, it's like a, an envelope, or sometimes even like the Goldilocks chair for a particular species. Right. And every species is going to be different.
0: Okay. So what are some of the, I guess, the changing niches we're seeing? You mentioned some of the um, the species that have been moving further south. I mean, I always worry about the dengue mosquitoes potentially getting closer to us here in Sydney. Not something we'd really want. What are some of the major uh, changes you're seeing?
1: Well, I mean, it's actually, you also need to look at this sort of evidence. And, and a lot of the data is coming from, the sort of natural history in museums and botanic gardens. So there's yeah. lots of evidence for different species. But I guess what we're talking about here, that plant species are essentially got, um, you know, they're getting earlier in terms of their growing season since the 1950s, about a week each each decade. Um, there was a really interesting study from the US which looked at um, pressed plants over 100 years and found that um, actually the insect herbivores around now, so they're increasing, were much greater than they were 100 years ago. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. And and even migrating birds are arriving at their, in Australia, at their spring and summer habitats, about three and a half days earlier each decade since about the 1960s. And oh, wow.
0: So there's actually three and a half years, sort of decade by decade. So they were a couple of weeks early by now.
1: That's right. And so things like Australian kestrels, which is like a little falcon, is going up to the Alps a bit earlier because the snow's melting earlier and um, there's not as much snow. Um, And even, you know, there's been some mega studies of North American birds, for example, and found that um, 32 of the species are responding to climate change. So many are just shifting their niche or envelope north, just because they can't tolerate it. But some are actually contracting, and that's a big challenge, that not every animal out there is or plant is actually adapting. But there's some really cool things too. I mean, there's some things like, uh, again, in the US, US, they looked at 52 bird species um, from over 100 years. And because they knew when these um, individuals were collected and their shape and where from, they're able to show that actually some of those species are getting smaller and getting longer wings. And so there are, they are adapting and theory is smaller shape um, better able to lose heat and also perhaps migrate Mm. further.
0: But this is really interesting. I guess when you think about climate change and how seriously we take it, it's a debate that's raged for decades. And as we know, climate science is settled, but um, I guess what you're telling us uh, here is that species by species, niche by niche, you're seeing some pretty major impacts. If you're looking at bird migration patterns shifting to that extent where it's weeks different, we're actually seeing climate change acting as an evolutionary pressure, as a force of natural selection.
1: Yeah, and and I guess one of the interesting things to me anyway as a biologist is that we hear a lot about climate change and climate sceptics and deniers saying there's no evidence Mm. and yet we've got these literally millions of species out there changing and you know these studies are, de- are essentially showing that all of these indicators of the of the environmental world are changing, and they're changing in different ways. There are, for example, the breeding of birds is changing. It, it in Australia they're having earlier hatching dates that are essentially um, because of the increasing temperature. And there's one species, the European tit, which is in um, uh, in England, and and it is trying to change its laying dates because the caterpillars are actually hatching out earlier and it feeds them to its young. But they found that there are two groups of genetic populations. One can change their laying date and they're doing well. And the other... Can't and they're losing basically. So, you know, for some, even within some species, there's variation, and they're going to be winners and losers.
0: Yeah, Professor Richard Kingsford's here, director of the Centre for Ecosystem Science at UNSW. My name is Dom uh, Knight, and this is Self Improvement Wednesday. And I guess one of the interesting things about what you're mentioning, Richard, is that you're measuring these things in decades. So we know that um, we've started to see these sorts of changes in the climate over a decades. Is this a much shorter time span for these kinds of evolutionary changes than you might have had previously?
1: Yeah, and, and largely because we're seeing increases in the rate of temperature rise. So those, those changes tend to be in lockstep with the increasing rate of temperature rise. Mm. And I guess the other thing that we know about the changing environment, we've, everybody agrees temperatures are rising about 1.4 degrees since um, pre-industrial times, but... I guess the thing that's hidden in there are the extremes. And and this is really the kicker, I think, in the biological world. Not all animals and plants can deal with those high temperatures. And we're seeing the Great Barrier Reef, for example, with coral bleaching, temperature gets too high and they kick out their marine algae that provide them with food. And then, of course, um, you know, there are bird species in the US, um, in France, where during heat waves all of those that actually can't tolerate that upper heat level just just die. So there's some really big impacts.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, one thing to say, well, okay, the migrating birds are arriving a little bit earlier – but another to say, well, this is destroying coral reefs and destroying um, entire bird species. And you're, you're saying dozens of species are essentially being rented extinct by these changes. Well,
1: they're, they're not extinct, but they're certainly going into decline. And mm. and actually, one of the more worrying species in Australia are the flying foxes. Flying foxes, we have them in Sydney, and uh, but they also are fantastic for pollinating forests around Australia. But they really get hit hard with high temperatures. So um, in 2014 in southeastern Queensland, sorry, in in 2003 in southeastern Queensland, um, flying foxes, about 45,000 died and and even 70,000 died in about 10 camps in New South Wales in the 2019-2020 big fires. So they really don't do well when those high temperatures arrive.
0: Oh, it's troubling to think of a future in Sydney where we might not have as many or, or perhaps no flying foxes in this particular part of the world if they have to go further south.
1: Oh, I think they're fantastic. I mean, mm. I think when visitors come here and they see those clouds of flying foxes leaving the, the Centennial Park and basically spreading everywhere, but they they have a real role to play in the forest too, because without those... Um, flying foxes moving around we wouldn't be pollinating all the forests that we've got out there.
0: So I guess to pull all this together Richard we we talk a lot about sea level rises we talk about uh, temperature data and so on We, we even uh, be- people kind of look at soil and so on but you're saying when it comes to the the biological world there are also these dramatic impacts that perhaps we don't pay quite as much attention to.
1: Yeah, we've got so many lines of evidence that are telling us about the climate changing. And I think the big challenge is what can we do to help them? And that part of that's reducing the other threats and trying to find refuges for some of these species that are in trouble.
0: Yeah, look, just the question of what we do about the Great Barrier Reef, this, uh, this treasure that we've had for millennia, which is uh, changing at such a rapid rate, even, even that's a long and quite upsetting conversation, really.
1: It is really. and And, you know, some triage approaches are to go and, um, get some of the um, fertilised eggs of some of these corals and try and keep them so that at one point we may be able to re-establish them or maybe adapt those ones that can tolerate higher temperatures.
0: Well, let's hope we can do something because the bleaching is upsetting indeed. Richard, thank you for bringing all that together for us. Thanks very much, That's Dawn. Professor Richard Kingsford from the Centre for Ecosystem Science at UNSW here on Drive.